Hey everyone, welcome to Be The Change. My name is Lily Mott, and today I'm going to be talking about how change comes when you use your privilege. This week, I'm excited to share another international guest, and he has a really interesting story. So, let's get started. I am excited to introduce Zian Vergi. I'm Zian. I'm 19 years old. I'm currently a student at the University of British Columbia in my first year. And I'm also the founder and CEO of an organization called For the Menstruator. I usually call myself an advocate of the generation of change because I'm really passionate about social impact. And because of some of the experiences I've gone through in life, I believe my purpose in this world is to create social change. To talk a little bit about what we do at For the Menstruator, we're an organization that aims to create a world of menstrual equity. And what this means is we believe that each and every menstruator in the world should have access to menstrual products. And we do this by primarily producing and distributing reusable sanitary packages and also applying a sustainable model of approach in which we empower menstruators to help themselves and then eventually help their communities so to date, we have supported over 8,000 menstruators. We have worked in seven countries around the world, and we have a global family of around 140 people. So it's been quite a journey for me. And yeah, apart from that, I also do a lot of public speaking. I mentor young people, so I mentored over 40 people. I'm also an outreach director at an organization called Climate Cardinals, where we aim to create a, a world where the climate movement is more accessible. So primarily what we do is we translate climate into information in different languages to make it more accessible to those that don't speak English because unfortunately a lot of the climate information that's out there is in English and in primarily the UN languages. So what we do is we translate climate information and then work towards making it more accessible to communities that don't have access. So that's just a little bit about me. Oh yeah, I also co-host a podcast called Second Impressions. And what we do in the podcast is primarily we try and bring depth to conversations that young people usually don't bring depth to. So everything from, from talking about teenage issues, school issues such as relationships. Yeah, and we primarily just aim to bring depth to conversation. Zeon calls himself an advocate for the generation of change. I was interested in this title because it's one that I haven't heard before. I asked him to tell me more about what this title means to him and to tell me about the experiences that led him to be in this position. Okay, so I think I'll go back a little bit and talk about why I, I believe that and why I've sort of found this purpose in social impact. When I was 16 years old, I went through an experience in which I, it was, I would call it a near-death experience. It was my last day of high school. I used to study at a, at a boarding school, a residential school in Kenya. Last day of school and I got dengue fever. I traveled with it back home here in Tanzania and for seven days, doctors couldn't tell what it was. But eventually on the seventh morning, I was admitted into the hospital. My platelet count dropped really low and 
I if if I had if I had taken any longer, my organs would even start bleeding. So I was eventually admitted into the hospital. Was there for one week. Hopefully, I I recovered. And after getting discharged from the hospital, up to the next three weeks, I went into an un- uncontrollable state in which I was acting hypersexual and hyperactive. So I did a bunch of things in which. I would randomly just go and hug every female that I saw. I stood up in the middle of prayers at the mosque and started like singing and shouting. If someone would see me, they'll probably consider me someone that's high, drunk and crazy at the same time. So three weeks of that, two weeks later, I wake up on my bed. I check my calendar and obviously my calendar has said it's been three weeks since the last thing that I remember, which was getting discharged from the hospital. So I was really confused. And I reached out to my parents and I told them, like, what happened to me? Like, where's the last three weeks gone? Is it my calendar that's wrong or what's happening? And they started explaining to me that this is what happened. This is what you've gone through. The last three weeks, you've been in this uncontrollable state. And I basically wasn't myself. When they told me the stories of some of the things that I did, I could not believe it. And I just felt like what they were saying was sort of dreams and I had like tiny glimpses of it, but I couldn't really remember anything. So it took me a while to really understand what was happening and why I was in this state. So I realized that what happened to me didn't really matter. What really mattered was I felt like going through that experience served as some sort of wake-up call for me. And going through that experience was... It, was, it served as some sort of turning point. I started reflecting on what I went through and I realized, obviously, I didn't have any control over myself. And now everything that I want to do moving forward, I want to have control of myself. And the life that I'm living, like, I never knew I would ever go through something like that. And my life can just, like, leave, leave at any point. So right after that, I had an op- opportunity to start a school project and I could do anything on my choice. And at that point in time, I was scrolling to my Facebook feed and I watched this really inspiring documentary on Al Jazeera that was about India's menstruation, man. That was the first time I learned about periods and the fact that menstruators around the world don't have access to products. So I had a conversation with my mom and she told me that when she was small, she didn't have proper access. So she would use old cloth and, and make her own sort of pad at home which wasn't very hygienic um, or comfortable. And then I go do my research and I find out that over 500 million menstruators around the world don't have access to these products. And that number is really huge. It's an average of one in 10 menstruators. So doing that research sort of inspired me to look more into this field. And for my school project, I went online, looked at different reusable sanitary pads because I want to do something that's sustainable. And then in my residential room, I took a pen and a piece of paper and I designed my own reusable sanitary pad. At that time, the pad that I created would last for six months. And I was able to support 22 menstruators for my school project here in Tanzania. And then since then, I sort of, after interacting with some of the menstruators that I supported, I realized that this is something that I want to do for the rest of my life. I realized that. I'm in a position of privilege and there's a reason why I'm in that position. And 
I'm put into this world to, to make an impact on others. So over the last three years, I've been on this journey where I've done everything in line with that purpose because I feel like going to that initial experience that it would serve as some sort of wake up call for me to, to live a more purposeful life. And through this project, I found that purpose. And I know for the rest of my life, I want to create impact. So everything that I do, including having this conversation with you is, is in line with that. So, obviously, Zion's work focuses mostly on his organization for the menstruator. Menstrual inequity isn't really something I've ever had to really consider all that much, which is definitely a privilege I have. It is a very serious issue that impacts so many menstruators around the world. I asked Zion to tell me more about the issue of menstrual inequity and to share more about his work to develop for the menstruator. Yeah, definitely. So, to talk first about the issue... The thing is that, as I mentioned, 500 million menstruators around the world don't have access. That's an average of one in 10 menstruators don't have access. And what this means is that when a menstruator gets their period for once a month, they use old rags, cloth, leaves, blankets, some of the most unsanitary material when they get their period. If it's a school student, then they are most likely not to go to school. So they miss school an average of seven days a month. If it's, if it's a menstruator in general, then, then they don't carry out their daily activities. And then there have been instances where menstruators have tra- traded sexual activity in order to get money to buy menstrual products. Unfortunately, in a lot of places around the world, periods and menstruation is something that's not talked about. And a lot of menstruators are stigmatized. And this issue is seen as like a taboo, whereas it's something so normal. So... And for the menstruator, what we are trying to do is, as I mentioned, create a world of menstrual equity. And we primarily do this by, one, empowering menstruators, two, trying to break this stigma, and three, collaborating with organizations in the menstrual space to sort of come together and fight this issue together. So going back to the last thing that I mentioned was I started a school project, supported 22 menstruators. At that point in time, I never thought that this was going to be a global organization supporting thousands around the world. So after I supported those 22 menstruators, I interacted with some of them. I realized that what I had done was actually contributing more to the problem than solving it. I had created a reusable sanitary pad that would last for around six months. But then after those six months, I had not done anything to ensure that these menstruators would have access. So after those six months, they would go back to the same old methods that they had. And I actually created some sort of dependency syndrome where they would continue depending on, on other external people to come and help them. So I didn't really empower them in, in that sense. and I didn't really solve the problem. But I realized that this was a very important issue and I want to continue working on it. So what I'd done was I came back to school, went back to Kenya, started up a small team of, of students in my school, we're around seven to 10 people. And what we had done was we decided to change two main things. So firstly, we changed our packages. So now our packages last three years, not six months, 100% biodegradable, extremely cost-effective, and also embarrassment-free, which was one of the issues we had with our initial package. And then apart from just producing and distributing these packages, we really have a sustainable model of approach in which once we identify a group, we'd go in there, do a needs assessment, build a relationship with them, try and understand their context and really understand the, the root cause of this issue. 
after doing the needs assessment, we would then, based on that, we would have an educational workshop where we would um, teach both menstruators and non-menstruators about menstruators about reproductive health and also have an informal sort of education where we'll teach them about how to deal with period cramps, how to track your period, what to do when you're at, when you leak and you're in an embarrassing sort of situation. So we sort of have like informal discussions with them as well. And then we have a stitching workshop and this is very important to our approach. Here is where we teach them how to use, wash and also stitch their own packages. Now when we're doing this since we use locally available materials, we know that after the three years, these menstruators would have lifelong access because they can easily go to a market nearby and buy these, these materials and stitch for themselves. But also we have noticed that it has an exponential approach. So let's say if there's a group of 1,000 menstruators, if we go in there and just help 10 menstruators, give them access, but also give them the skill, we have seen that they go on to teach one other menstruator so those 10 will teach 10 others those 10 will teach 10 others and then eventually we can create access in the community and the thousand menstruators then have access and then lastly we have a celebration and review phase where we try and assess the impact of our work and see if what we have done has really helped or not and gather feedback and that's sort of our approach that we use right now so after making these changes we started off with working in in Mombasa Kenya we did a few projects there, but whilst all this was happening, I documented everything. So made a bunch of documents on how to make your own package. And then I also would post things on social media. So every time I post something, I gather interest from young people around the world and they're quite curious to help out and understand what they can do. So because I documented everything, all I had to do was have a meeting with them and give them all the documents that I had and teach them how to do it. And then they would start up their own chapters in their different places. So that is how we've been able to work in seven countries. And today, we're now a family of 140 people from around the world. We've worked in Kenya, Tanzania, India, Pakistan, UAE, Nigeria. We started something small in the UK. As we were talking, we're developing something in Mexico and Czech Republic. So we're really a growing community. And to date, we've been able to support 8,000 menstruators and given them sort of lifelong access. And then we do a lot of work in terms of trying to break the stigma and spreading awareness, involving non-menstruators in this conversation. So we try and use social media to create that social impact, to spread that awareness. We also host a lot of different events. Recently, in collaboration with an US-based organization called Operation Period, this year we launched the first ever International Period Month in which we had 50 plus events and around 30 organizations really doing different types of virtual events to spread awareness. So yeah, I mean, that's pretty much our journey and what we've been able to accomplish to date. And every day in this space, we are learning, we're growing. And yeah, we just try our best to, to sort of fulfill that mission. I was particularly intrigued by Zian's commitment to For the Menstruator because, very simply, he's not a menstruator. It is very interesting and very admirable that he chose to advocate for something that doesn't even and couldn't ever affect him. But I also wanted to know if he's been able to see the results of his organization's work. I asked Zion if he is able to see the ways that his work impacts people in the countries he's working in. And this is what he told me. Yeah, definitely. I think, um, as I mentioned, let's say with For the Menstruator, we usually, after working with groups, we usually go back and gather feedback and get testimonials. And just hearing things like, 
someone has been able to go to school, someone has been able to sit their exams because I've done something, even if it's far away and I've not directly interacted with them. I think that's what keeps me going, you know. So I have been able to see a lot of the outcomes of my work. I have interacted with people that I've supported. And just to see that I'm, it's not like I was born like a special person or I'm different than others. I'm just a normal person, just like anyone else. And the only thing is I have access to like privilege. I'm privileged. So if I'm able to use those privileges to help someone out, and really empower them and create that perfect world that I want to live and see. I think that just keeps me driving. So definitely being able to see a lot of the outcomes of my work, be it remotely when getting testimonials or directly on ground, seeing the effects. I think I've definitely been able to see that and it pushes me every day. And that's the reason why, why I continue my work because sometimes in in the social impact space in general I feel like you do feel demotivated you do feel like you're not doing enough you do feel like this issue is so big and when you get these testimonials when you hear these stories it really pushes you and you feel like even if it's just one person oh I feel like it's, it's impactful even be it like through social media I try and put out a lot of content out there to inspire others and when I get direct messages from people saying that your work has really inspired me to start up something, when I was doing mentoring, I, I, I'm seeing people getting, out, some of my mentees get awards and getting recognized, getting into universities and things like that just really push me every day to continue to do more. After hearing about Zion's commitment to enacting change and inspiring others, I was excited to ask him my signature question. What advice do you most want to share with young people who want to make a difference around the world? And this is what he shared with me. So I think my main advice for young people is for them to realize that, again, we are not only the leaders of tomorrow, but the leaders of today. We usually think that, okay, yeah, I'm going to start something when I finish high school or when I finish university or after I get my first job. And whenever we we're really we always push it towards tomorrow 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 and then eventually because of this fast moving world that we are in where we're mostly very selfish we end up on our deathbed having all this regret about how we didn't live a life of purpose so i would say we're not only the leaders of tomorrow we're the leaders of today and if you want to start something if you're passionate about something don't think too hard just start start now start today don't wait for tomorrow. Don't wait to end high school, get your first job or end university. Start today, start now. I never thought that this, what I'm doing would have an impact on thousands of people. I started as a school project and I just kept on going and my passion grew over time. So my biggest advice is, again, don't wait for tomorrow, start today. And really be intentional about what your purpose in life is. It's a very hard question, but take some time, sit down with yourself and reflect about what legacy you want to leave behind. Reflect about what you want to be remembered for. Reflect about what you want to be proud of on your deathbed. Is it going to be getting into a university or is it going to be having an impact on someone? Is it, are you doing things for, I guess, fame or recognition or money? Or do you want to be proud of making an impact on someone else's life. And I really want people to be intentional and reflect about that. 
I think Zeon's story makes a great case for the idea of noblesse oblige, or to whom much is given, much is expected. Zeon recognized that he had been given a supportive family and a quality education. After his medical scare, he became even more aware that life itself is a privilege. Zeon has committed himself to using the privilege he's been given to give back to others, because he recognizes that just because a problem like menstrual inequity may not affect him directly, it is his duty to help others who may be struggling with issues that he's never had to face. Zeon is using his health, his resources, and his talents to help others and advocate for people who may not be able to use their own voices, because he recognizes that change comes when you use your privilege. Thank you so much for listening to this episode, and you can follow Zeon on Instagram at zeon.virgie, and you can follow For The Menstruator at For The Menstruator on Instagram to learn more and support the organization. I also included the link to the For The Menstruator website in the description of this episode. If you want to talk about anything I mentioned, please reach out to me by email at lily at bethechangepodcast.org or on Instagram at be the change podcast. Tune in for my next episode, but until then, be the change you wish to see in the world. Bye guys.